0: Okay, well welcome again. I hope that you're excited to be here, that, uh, that you know that there are a lot of people on this earth that did not get to see today. Many more people did not know that yesterday was going to be the last day that they would live. You and I get the beauty of knowing that today we can worship our God. And if you are not right with Him, if you have not uh, put on Christ in baptism, if you have not given your life to God, uh, I pray that this message will convict you. That'll convict you and, and help you and I to, to want to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that uh, we're all baptized into His body, and uh, it's His body that will be saved. Right? That uh, when we when we are baptized into Christ, after hearing the message and really being convicted and, and repenting of our lives, that that is the final piece um, that God now places us into the body of Christ. In First John chapter one and verse seven. The Bible says that from that point on, as long as we're faithful and we're trying, that the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. All sin. As long as we're trying, that we get to depend and rely on the grace of our God. Amen? Amen. So if you haven't already, go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. I, I encouraged many of us, uh, especially on, on Team Snap and, and on, who, who are, read the Facebook posts of, uh, of this congregation, um, that uh, gave you some homework, gave you some homework to read, uh, Matthew chapters 24 and 25. So there's going to be going around a pop quiz in just a bit. Um, and um, no, I'm kidding, there will be no pop quiz. Okay. As a matter of fact, that ties directly into the lesson of being prepared. Have you ever, have you ever gone into class in, in your early years of, of education and found out today's going to be a pop quiz? How many of us were excited for pop quizzes? Larry, you were, I believe it, Larry, that you would be, a lot of us know, I don't want the pop quiz. I don't know anything. I didn't study. I wasn't aware. And that's the idea of a pop quiz, isn't it? You're not aware. You don't know when. Your job is just to be ready. Just to be ready. And that's the, that's the, uh, the essence of the message this morning is we don't know when. We don't know our time. We just need to be ready. Just be ready, and that's what we're going to focus on this morning. Thank you, Dean, for reading that passage for us. Uh, uh, The parable of the ten virgins is uh, maybe the heading that you have on your Bible. Um, The title for this morning's uh, sermon is "The Watchful Few." The watchful few, and uh, we're going to be looking at this again a little more deeper. Deeper, a little bit. A little bit to say about parables. The parables really, you think about everything that's recorded about what Jesus said in all of Scripture. Can you believe that one third of his teachings that are available to us in the Gospels were him teaching in parables? One third of all of Jesus' teachings was him speaking and teaching in parables. That's very important. You know, generally we understand that parables are stories about earthly things, right? Earthly daily life that really point us to a heavenly reality. So there's a story about earthly things, farming, fishing, going out um, and and traveling. Like He'll use those as as stories, but he's not really talking about that issue, really. He's talking about a heavenly point. He's making a, a statement about heaven and heavenly things and heavenly truths, but using earthly examples and earthly stories so that we can relate to it. Um, you, you might uh, remember Matthew chapter 13 and verse 10, uh, one of his disciples asked, man, Jesus, why do you always speak in parables? Almost as a frustration, like, just tell us. Just tell us, why do you got to use these parables? And there's a point, and, and what he'll say in the Gospels is, he who has an ear, let him hear. In other words, those who really want to know what the parable means, you're going to keep searching the truth. You're going to keep searching the truth. You know, it reminds me... Um, about what I hear about uh, folks that want to get in shape, you know, folks that are like, man, I'm this year, you know, you always hear it in January 1st, this year, man, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to try to get a little bit healthier. Um, and, and if we're honest, we're looking for the quick fixes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's we're scrolling down our feed, and if you just take this pill once a day, you'll lose 50 pounds. <laughs> if you just drink this drink, man, all of that, it, honestly, who's... Who's thought about that? Like, if that worked for real, I'd be all in. I'd be all If that really worked, I'm too late. It doesn't mean I don't have to run miles and miles and miles. I don't have to sweat. I don't have to watch what I eat. I could just take one thing and instant, instant gratification. doesn't work like that, does it? does not work like that. And, and so the same is true when it comes to the, to, to the Bible's teachings is if you're in the Word just day in and day out, just slowly eating and feasting, just picking it apart, looking up words, then spiritually you do become healthier, don't you? But if I'm just wanting to take a quick thing, instant gratification, you know, Sunday morning sermon, that's all I'll get for the rest of the week. Really? Like, Let me ask you, how many of us just eat a meal Sunday morning for the whole week? How many of us do that? None of us. We eat every single day to, to get that sustenance. And the same is true for our spiritual lives. So hopefully, just like Jesus says when he's speaking in parables, that you would have an ear that wants to hear. You would keep asking him, but what does he mean by this? You know, He's talking about these virgins and, and, a, and a bridegroom and, and oil and lamps. Uh, okay, that sounds, that sounds neat. No, but what does it mean? And so only those who really want to know the truth are going to seek and seek and seek. In Matthew chapter 6 and 7, Jesus says, those who seek will find. That is a divine promise. People who are seeking after truth with an an honest heart, Jesus says, you'll find it. You will find it. And so we have Matthew 25, again, the background. If you were able to make it for Bible class this morning, we covered all of chapter 24. And so if you were not able to make it, uh, basically... Uh, Matthew 24 is talking about Jesus answering three questions that are posed by his disciples as he's walking away from the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, Number one, what will be the sign of the destruction of the temple? Right? When will these things be? Number two, what will be the sign of your return? And number three, what will be the signs of the end of the age, the end of time? What will what, be those signs? And, and Jesus goes on to, to really, um, in detail, answer all three of those questions. And so we finish up chapter 24 with Jesus talking about the end of time. That he's going to return at an hour we do not know. We don't know. My watch doesn't tell me when Jesus is going to be coming back. It doesn't say it. The Bible says even, he says even the Son of Man, the Son of God, does not know. And so those folks who claim that they know when the end of the world is, well, I guess you know something that Jesus doesn't. And if you're going to make that statement, that's a bold statement to make. Yep. Jesus says, I don't even know. It's like a thief in the night. Again, who's here has, has had their home broken into or their vehicle broken into, right? How many of you were texted, I'm coming at 1045 p.m. to break into your house? If you did, that was a really bad thief. Horrible. Because thieves don't do that. They come at an hour that you don't expect. So is the same with Jesus as he returns to really reclaim and and receive his kingdom, uh, his church, his bride uh, to himself. So that's the background. And so as really to penetrate this idea of we don't know, you are just supposed to be prepared. Jesus is going to give three parables. Three parables. Three parables. Following Matthew chapter 24 in verse 44. The first parable, we read through it. It's a subtle one, but it is a parable. The first parable is in chapter 24, verses 45 through 51. That's the first parable. You know, he mentioned the servants, a faithful servant and an evil servant. One servant who is faithful, that's ready, that's prepared for his master to return, and the other that isn't. He's found beating his slaves. He's found drinking. He's he's found uh, just going about his life saying, oh, we've got some time. We've got some time. We can clean this all up later. No. Matthew 25, 1 through 13, which is our text this morning, is the second parable that Jesus is going to give. And this parable is about the uh, ten virgins. Read with me in chapter 25, starting starting in verse number one. Then the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, And all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Please give us some of your oil for our lamps. They're going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, you need to go and go to the, go to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And afterward, all the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open the door to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you do not know either the day nor the hour. What a sobering, Sobering parable. This is that for many, many folks, many folks, and some that who may, who may even believe everything in their being that they're prepared will be knocking on that door when the door has been shut. They've been fed lies. They've been told truths that are not true. They've bought into false teachings. They've put off the, the preparedness for later. I'll do it tomorrow. How many diets start with that phrase, I'll do it tomorrow, but never come to fruition? And so the idea is the same. And Jesus gives this really stark, really really startling uh, uh, parable to get us to think, am I prepared? I, I don't know about you, but one of the scarier verses in all of Scripture is verse number 12 when he says, Truly I say to you, I don't know you. You ever introduced yourself to somebody by mistake? They have no idea who you are? Imagine going your whole life thinking me and Jesus are like this, only to find out that on that day he says to me, I don't know who you are. I don't know you. Matthew chapter 7, uh, you might remember that uh, in verse 23, uh, Jesus says, Not everyone will say to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And he said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did did, did we not cast out demons in your name? And in your name did we not perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so as I'm reading this parable in, in Matthew 25, it, 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 one preacher put it like it's that of watching a movie. Imagine you're a director, and you have different parts of a movie, different scenes. The first scene is found in verses 1 through 4, that the maidens go out to meet the bridegroom. Right, The opening scene of the parable notes that ten virgins, they, they were aware, they were prepared, and they went out to meet the bridegroom. And I wanted to, to make this point that uh, the idea of the lamps and the oil can take on different meanings, and a lot of scholars have different beliefs, but you know, when I think about what it means for them to have their lamps to go out and meet the bridegroom, there's going to be a marriage. There's going to be a marriage and there's going to be a marriage dinner as a celebration. This is huge. right? The, the Jewish culture, marriages were big. They were huge. It was elaborate. There's a lot of thought, a lot of processes, a lot of people. And so there's a marriage that's going to take place. And the man who is the groom is on his way. And the only thing that these virgins are, they're supposed to do is to have their lamps lit. Not necessarily so he can see, that's not the idea here, but it's they can celebrate and welcome him. We want to make sure that he knows you are welcome here. We've been waiting for you. We couldn't wait. You know, one of the things that I've seen is, um, I don't know if anybody have watches uh, fails, videos of fails. If you just type in YouTube, um, another, uh, I think I've seen one that's called, there's actual pages and, and different um, uh, collections of videos called Fail Army. It's literally all kinds of videos of people trying to do something, but failing miserably, whatever that is. And one of the ones that I saw recently, it was, uh, it was a father that was coming back home. It was a father coming back home. He must have been on a journey or something. He had been away for a while. But apparently there was a group of family and friends inside the house waiting to jump out and say, Surprise! Welcome home! Well, his son, one of his sons, comes in late. And he's not aware of the party at all. So the son is sitting on the porch. And he's just hanging out. He's got his phone, he's got a drink, and he's just kind of hanging out. His dad comes in and says, hey, dad, welcome. Man, I really hope you like this party. And his dad says, what party? And he says, oh, the one in here. And the mom comes out, and she slaps the son upside the head, (laughs) says, what are you doing? You gave away the party. And the dad says, so there's a party for me? And everything was killed at that point. And so you have this idea of you had one purpose, (laughs) You had one purpose, and that was to be ready to welcome somebody home, welcome somebody to the feast, to the celebration. And that was the job of of these virgins, that they were supposed to go out and meet the bridegroom. Scene number two is found in verses five through seven, when the, the ten maidens fall asleep while waiting. Fall asleep while waiting. And so while the bridegroom delayed himself in coming, the virgins, it says in verse number five, all slumbered and slept. All of them. All of them got tired and they slept. And so this this imagery of sleeping is not necessarily just being tired from a long day, I don't think. It's really, I think we can point it to things that we do in life that take us away from being prepared. Are there things that we commit ourselves to in this world that will cause us to to be tired? (laughs) Are there things that we're engaged to outside of spiritual things that cause our spiritual battery to drain? How many of us pursue a career more than we pursue a relationship with God? How many of us teach our children to pursue education and degrees more than being faithful to their Lord? How many of us pursue hobbies and things that make us feel good? At the expense of time with our brothers and sisters, there's a lot of people who fall into that category. And so I think for me personally, if I'm too tired to come to church because my job, because of of extracurricular deals, because of uh, uh, just dealing with family in areas and I fail to neglect God's wisdom and truth pouring into me, then here's a time to take a look at yourself like me. I struggle with those things. And so they've gotten asleep, they've gotten gotten tired, they've they've slept, it says. But I think it's the things like in life, pursuit of careers, like I said, and and recreation and hobbies and and worldly status and comforts, those are what cause them to fall asleep. But for those who are prepared, that doesn't mean that we can't do those things, does it? I know some faithful Christians that enjoy doing things outside, outside the body. They, they enjoy having a life in which they're able to do things that make them, they're able to experience life. How many weeks ago we talked about a sermon that you have one life, Solomon says. So enjoy it. Go out and hike and, 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 and camp and experience God's beautiful blessing of, of nature and, and go out and see different places around the world and, and, and enjoy it. But don't enjoy those things at the expense of a relationship with Him. We've gone too far. And so that's the idea here. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy those things. I can still be prepared for the bridegroom and still enjoy life. I still can. Matter of fact, Jesus encourages us, I think, to do that, to enjoy life. And so living life does not interfere with those who are watchful. For those who are ready, for those who are watchful, life doesn't interfere with it. I think it actually enhances it. Scene number three is found in verses eight through 10, where the foolish and the wise are distinguished. Read with me in verse number eight. The Bible says, "'And the foolish said to the wise, "'Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. "'But the wise are saying, answered saying, "'Since there will be not enough for us and for you, "'you go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves.'" And while they were going to buy the bridegroom, uh, while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And so the scene now shifts to that which separates the wise from the foolish. Simply put, the wise were prepared with their oil; the foolish were not. And so, if you're like me, and many times in my life, I, I'm I'm the slacker. Right? I'm the one that did not come prepared. And I'm like, hey, can I have some? Can I, can I borrow some? The Bible here, I think, is teaching that as much as we love people around us, as faithful as I am to God, I can't give my faithfulness to another. Parents, as faithful as we are, and I know I wish it was like this, but it's not, I can't give my faith to my child. They've got to have their own. The Bible says that every single one of us will be held accountable for ourselves and to God. And so I wish, don't, don't you see, like, I wish I could give you some. I wish I could give it to you so that you have it, but I can't. You've got to have your own. So that's a truth that's, 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 that's hard to accept, but it is truth that you need to have your own faith. Is your faith your parents' faith? Is your faith your spouse's faith? Is your faith my faith? It shouldn't be. You ought to have your own. You need to have your own oil. Scene number four, starting in verse 11, is when the foolish, they're excluded from the marriage marriage feast. What a sad scene here. Read with me in verse 11. And afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us but he answered truly I say to you I do not know you and so watch therefore you know neither the day nor the hour and so the lack of full preparation for the bridegroom's arrival cost the foolish virgins their opportunity to participate in the wedding banquet right so what's implied in the scene of the foolish virgins virgins being excluded right what's implied I think it's the concept of you're going to miss out on something that you're going to want so bad. That we don't want to be those foolish virgins that we're knocking after the door has been shut. We had just studied in Bible class those of Noah's day, remember? For about 75 years, 75 years Noah was working away, hammering. He was preaching. He was telling people God's going to send the rain. And this world is going to be soaked. It is going to be flooded. And you need to get right with God. As a matter of fact, grab a hammer and join me. I, I can't uh, imagine how many times Noah was pleading with people. And so for 75 years, the people looked at him saying, man, that guy's crazy over there, building an ark. I don't know if the Bible says it's even rained up until that point. He's building for what? We don't get any rain here. That guy's nuts. He was nuts until, the Bible says, in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, the Bible says, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of heaven were opened. He was crazy up until that point. He was a madman, he was psychotic, he was a Jesus freak up until that point point. and then those people, when the door was shut, do you think they regretted not taking that opportunity with Noah? Do you think they said, man, if only I had just listened, if only I had asked questions and, and to have him speak to me about it, to prove these things, things would be different. I'm trying to make illustrations here that kind of lighten the mood, but it's hard to do so because the teaching is so, so, so tough. But I remember in, in, in school, um, in, in one of the grades, I, I, I get mixed up in the grades. I guess at that point that starts to go, right? I can't distinguish the, the grades anymore, but I know it's there and it happened. But I remember what would happen at the end of the school year, is there would be a group of classes that would get together, and they'd have kind of this uh, movie, party, pizza. I mean, it was the place. It was happening. It was the fun place at the end of the year. But the condition was the only way that you could participate in this party, the the end-of-the-year party, was if you had everything done in all of your classes. You had all of your work turned in. You finished all the tests. Like every teacher, you were good. Then you could enter on into that classroom and and have the party, have pizza, have a movie on. And I remember students that did not do all of their work. And while we were in that room having a great time, I remember peeking in and seeing those students sitting in that class doing work. What's ironic is, you know who taught that class that those students were sitting in? My mom. My mom, the, the mean lady. That mean lady, ah. she was the one that said, I'll keep these kids. These kids don't want to work all school year. That's okay. They can hang out with me. I can miss a party. <laughs> so they were hanging out in that room with my mom while we were having that party, and they were just watching. Man, you could smell the pizza. You could hear the TV. Man, there's a good movie on. You hear the laughter. You hear, you hear something that you miss. You wish you were there. And that's the imagery we get from here is, is they're knocking on the door, Saying, "Let me in, Lord," because they want to be there. They want to be there, and there are people today, I think, who say, "You know, they're not spiritual. They don't, they don't, they don't believe in God." And they say, "You know, what is?" I've heard this said multiple times that I won't miss heaven, even if there is. Let's say I'm wrong. At the end of the at the end of day, the end of the day, that uh, that, that those who are cast apart, and I'm in hell. I I won't want to be in heaven anyway. Oh yes, you will you will regret it with every fiber of your being that you are not in there. And so that's what we see happening in the last scene as these who who were not fully prepared, they're unable to participate in the wedding banquet. And so as we come to a close, the final point is making application, right? I think there's three things we can take away from this parable, right? Three points of application. Number one, this idea of false security. False security. The foolish considered themselves prepared, even though they were not. Do you know of people like that? Are you like that? Am I like that? Do we have this false security saying, oh yeah, me and Jesus, we're, we're like this. There's no way I'm not making it to heaven. Well, have you obeyed the gospel? How have you been saved? Tell, tell me more about that, because we want to make sure that's according to Scripture. Well, yeah, I've been baptized, but, you know, I haven't been to church in a few years. And, you know, but I know me and God, we're still, we're still like this. Well, the Bible says you've got to be in fellowship with the body. Right, the Bible says that, so why would you not be, why would you want to be anywhere else other than with the body when they come together to feed, to fellowship, to feast on God's Word? And so there's a lot of folks who are like that, that consider themselves prepared even when they're not Number two, a second point of application can be that we just simply need to be watchful. We just simply need to be watchful. The word watch there, it's interesting, in the Greek is an imperative. An imperative means it's a command. Remember when Jesus says in, in John 4, verse 24, you must worship in spirit and in truth. That word must implies what? Do I have a choice? No. I have to. It's, it's a command. This word right here, watch is an imperative. And it carries with it the force of a command from Jesus, our Lord himself. And being watchful involves many things, right? Being watchful means, number one, first off, am I secure of my salvation? Do I know that I am in Christ? Do I know that I have the blood of Christ? But secondly, how am I living? Uh, Reggie brought up a great point in Bible class. He says, you know, some of us are just, sometimes we find ourselves going through the routine. Yep, checked off Sunday morning. I'm still right with God. Yep, checked off, read my Bible today. It's more than that, isn't it? You remember Jesus says to the Pharisees, you worship me with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. You're going through the motion. Just because you look like you're doing Christianity doesn't mean you really are. And so where's your heart? Where's your motivation? Where's your drive? We need to be watchful. And finally, number three is simply that we ought to um, be aware of God giving every opportunity, that there are some people who think God is this giant immoral being in the sky, a big bully, and loves to cast down and throw down lightning bolts and laughs every time we fail. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of the Bible. That The Bible tells us that God provides every opportunity for a lost soul to come to the truth. Two very important passages that I think you need to have in your Bible, and more importantly, in your heart. Two very important passages. Number one is Second Peter, chapter three and verse nine. Second Peter, chapter three and verse nine. Some of you know it. "The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. If God had three wishes. And he was the one granting himself the three wishes. Here's what God would wish for, that not anybody perish. He provides every opportunity for that. Of course, the opportunity is ultimately sealed by ourselves. Am I choosing to take that? But that's number one. Number two, second passage is 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, where the Bible says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of our God, God our Savior, who desires, he desires, he wants, he wishes for all men to be saved and to come to the, to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's wish, his desire, but he cannot force us against our own will. In other words, God will provide everything possible for us, but the choice is mine. The choice is yours. That Are you going to be prepared when Christ returns? because he's given us every opportunity, right? And at some point, we don't know when, we don't know when he comes, but like a thief in the night, the Bible says, just like in the parable, the door is going to be shut. Now, are we going to be in the festivities or outside wishing we were? We have those two ultimate ends. And so, church, if there's anybody here that needs to talk, to study, Where are you right now? Are you prepared? If you're a solid yes, then that's great. But if you're unsure, there's no shame in that, right? There's no shame in saying, I'm not sure right now. I was taught one thing. I started believing another. But now this is teaching me something else. Well, let's sit down. Let's study this out. Let's make sure that you're confident and you are secure in where you are spiritually. And as we close, as Neil makes his way up, If you are a Christian and you feel like you've just been struggling and maybe you've been beat down by the world maybe beat down by some some of the members because we're humans and sometimes we do that. If you're needing anything, any help, any prayers, please come as we stand and we sing our final invitation song.